The OCD and Anxiety Podcast by Robert James Coaching. Hello and welcome to the OCD and Anxiety Podcast, where we explore how to have a more positive relationship with anxiety disorders taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello and welcome to episode 55. I hope you guys are doing well today. If you are looking for help with OCD and anxiety, you can head over to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com and uh, there you can send me a message and we can arrange a free session where we can discuss uh, any problems that you're having with uh, OCD or anxiety and how I might be able to help you with that. In today's episode, I speak to Sean about her experiences of dealing with OCD. We cover loads of different topics, including uh, some of the themes that she struggled with, um, some of the things that she found most helpful with overcoming her OCD. We discuss stoicism and how um, having the right mindset can really help you when you're dealing with anxiety, you know, when you when you have a mindset of whatever comes up, I can deal with it, um, you know, and and bad things might happen, but it's okay. I can I can deal with this. Then uh, you know that's going to help you a lot. Sean does a really good job at articulating, um, you know, some of the frustrations that we all experience when we we suffer with something like OCD, and um, you know, I really do think it's uh, it's an interesting episode. As always, if you have any questions, then do please let me know. And um, if you do find this podcast helpful, it would be brilliant if you could subscribe. Many thanks. Welcome to the podcast, Sean. Thank you very, very much for having me. I'm very excited to be on. That's great to have you here again for, well, for the second time, <laughs> because obviously uh, the first time we did record it, and I think it was a really good conversation as well. You know, I really yeah. enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, obviously we had a few technical issues. Yeah, it is a shame really, because you're right. We, we got onto some really interesting topics. Um, yeah. And now I'm kind of like in my head, I'm like, oh no, like how am I going to like rephrase them? I can't remember what I talk, talked about. Like what if I miss something? But uh, <laughs> I'm just going to let it go and go with it. <laughs> see, yeah. what, see what yeah, comes yeah. out this time. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um. To start off with, can you can you just tell everyone you know a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Sean, and I suffer with anxiety and OCD. Um, hence why I'm here. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, I mean I've had OCD type symptoms. Not that it was diagnosed, pretty much since I can remember. Um, uh, I. I'm also a teacher, a filmmaker. I'm I like to kind of do writing and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so obviously OCD, anxiety. It's been uh, it's been something that you've been struggling with, you know, for for a while. When did you when did you first kind of discover that you had OCD? Um. So I first officially dis- discovered it only really about a year or two ago um Mm. but upon reflection 
looking back, I was definitely showing symptoms from a very young age of five or six years old. Um, so that's kind of when I, you know, having discovered what OCD is and really kind of yeah. coming to terms with the fact that I do suffer with OCD, looking back, I've been like, wow, okay, you start to make the links, all these things are OCD. <laughs> so yeah, probably really since I was about five. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true for, for many people, you know, they they find out later in life, oh, I've got OCD, and then they look back and they realise, ah, that's why I was acting like that when I was a kid, that's why I was like that when I was at school, and, um, you know, lots of things that maybe hadn't made much sense, suddenly, you know, they do make a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, and, and so how have you found that OCD has kind of impacted you? Obviously, you know, you're a teacher, that's quite a, a high pressure job at times, you know, um, how, how has like OCD impacted you in your, in your life? Um, so, I mean, OCD is an interesting one. Um, and with me, I know it's not the same with everyone else. It come it tends to come in waves. So, um, mm. we discussed this last time. So I'll have it maybe like quite chronically. I mean, obviously it is a chronic condition, but it will be very present in my life, let's say for a whole year and then it might go kind of or it won't be as it'll be in the background not as affecting me as much but when it's at its absolute worst um mm. it can be you know debilitating um when I it was last year last January um I had a really bad spell <laughs> of OCD um uh, to the point where you know I wasn't going to work I was just in bed not eating, um, quite actually um, neurotic, you know, like that kind of gut-wrenching anxiety where you can't yeah. do anything yeah. else. And I did I did kind of get worried. I was quite worried um, because I wasn't eating. So I had to force, like, it got so bad. I'm kind of telling you, like, how, you know, when it's at its absolute worst, because obviously we know it, it ebbs and flows. But um, I was like forcing kind of milkshake drinks down me, which was mm. so hard to do because I was like, I need to have just something. And that yeah, was like, sustenance. Yeah. yeah, some kind of nutrients as well, because in my brain as well, I was like, I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating. Um, so that's I knew that was making the thoughts worse as well, you know, because obviously we need nutrients, we need sleep. So I was trying to force this milkshake down me every day. I was trying to sleep, couldn't sleep, like it was horrific. So I'd say, mm. obviously that mass, when it's when it gets to that point, it massively can affect your life. I mean, it, it, it affects, you know, my life on and off every day. Like, you know, you can, can on a, well, it's still quite, it's still really debilitating, but on a different note, you know, when I don't have the chronic anxiety with it and just the kind of obsessive, um, compulsive thoughts that that will take up hours of my day even if I'm um, not feeling as chronically anxious as that do you know what I mean like that just constant yeah. trying to figure out whatever the fault is or the obsession is mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay and and so obviously you know that must have been really hard when you were going through that experience you know when you were stuck mm -hmm. at home you felt like you couldn't leave the bed, not eating. So did you get some some help with you, um, you know, for that? Or did you did you just work it out yourself? Like, how did you improve from that 
you know, pretty difficult uh, situation. Yeah, it's a kind of, I think, a bit of both, really, because because there's been, you know, there's that was one example. There's been maybe two or three more times where it's got to that level. Luckily, touch wood, <laughs> doing my OCD compulsion. Um, it's um, it never usually lasts longer than a month when it's that um, debilitating, but yeah. oh, a month or two kind of thing. But um, I for that for that particular time, I did seek help. So I did go and talk to a psychiatrist um, in the UK. Um, I went to the doctors, and the doctors prescribed me. Um, antidepressants which I have issues with um, because of my not I don't have issues with antidepressants as a and I um, as a thing for other people like I'm always like well if you need to take them and your doctor has said to take antidepressants then do it kind of thing but for me (laughs) I don't like the idea and that is again linked to OCD that's a contamination fear and also maybe I just don't like the idea I don't really like putting stuff in my body that's um, foreign to me kind of thing yeah. But um, because I worry what it's going to do to my brain chemistry and all of this. Right. So it's kind of it's a fear to take antidepressants for me. So they gave me kind of different kinds of antidepressants and I would try them for a bit and then worry and freak out. And I did have a really I kind of they always say, don't they? It gets worse before it gets better. I was thinking it can't get worse. Like <laughs> It literally yeah. cannot get worse than this. And I took yeah. some um antidepressants for a few days I was like okay it has got worse and I need to stop taking these and I don't I don't know how much of that was placebo but nevertheless yeah. I felt worse and so I kind oh, of went oh. back to went back to the doctors and they um they they kind of sorted me out to see a psychiatrist at an outpatient where well, it was an inpatient and an outpatient hospital psychiatric hospital um yeah. I saw a, I saw this amazing man he was a lovely he was a nurse and um well he is a nurse and he just really helped and he got me to see a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist kind of they both said we don't you know you've been given antidepressants which can help with this kind of thing but we don't necessarily think you need them right now um and kind of spoke to me and calmed me down really and that's when I got a diagnosis of sorts on my um so that's when I kind of was like they've confirmed it for me really what's going on because I already Mm -hmm. at that stage was like I'm pretty sure this is OCD and uh, that's when it kind of was like oh right and then I just kind of forced myself really to kind of live a life you know live a functional life I you know fake it till you make it I mean it's not always it doesn't always work but I was like I have to do I have to do something other than what I'm doing you know and I've, I've got an issue with taking medicine um so I did that, uh, have a, had a little bit of therapy, which was really helpful, um, bought some kind of OCD mind workbooks and just really educated myself about OCD and, and my partner. And that was a big help, having my partner kind of know about OCD and be able to support me. And, and you know, I'm not cured and I don't necessarily think there is, and yeah, this might sound pessimistic, but I don't necessarily think there is a cure. I think it's I think it's chronic, but it can be managed like any chronic illness. Like pers- personally, that's what I think. Um, and you can, you know, live with it happily, a happy life, if that makes sense. You don't have to have those big crashes. Um, but obviously they, they can, they can still happen. Sorry, I sound really depressed. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> no, I, I think, 
I think it was interesting what you were saying earlier, um, because, um, you know, and, and I definitely noticed this in myself and, and many other people who struggle with anxiety and OCD. And that is that, you know, it is hopeful sometimes because you do go through periods where, you know, for whatever reason, the OCD will tend to go really down. You know, mm. it really kind of it can it can get to the point if you if you're managing it really well, you know, if you're doing the right things, if you're making positive lifestyle choices, um, you know, if you are dealing with the thoughts in the right kind of way when they're coming up and you're learning to be more in the present moment, mm. you know, if you're meditating, if you're doing all this stuff, then, you know, when OCD does come up, you're kind of in a much better place to be able to deal with it. Like, like you were just saying, you know, it's, um, you can, you can manage it, but also you, you do tend to go through these long, longer periods and they become longer and longer, mm. uh, where you don't experience as much OCD as you would have done in the past. But you are right. I think in saying that most people who do have OCD, you know, they do tend to have, you know, it's an underlying problem, re you know, revolving around anxiety for whatever mm. reason, you know, uh, you know, that is, and that will still be there. We can't just get rid of that. You know, I think, I think that's, yeah. um, you know, that, that's a part of us you know, and it's, uh, we can learn to, to manage it and to deal with it and we can live an amazing life, you know, despite it. And mm. in fact, you know, something that I often like tell myself actually is that, I wouldn't be the person I am today if I hadn't have had, you know, OCD and gone through these challenging experiences with OCD because, you know, it was really, really hard. Like, like you're explaining, it can be incredibly difficult at times. And, but it does make you, you know, uh, change as a person. It makes you have to, to learn more about yourself, to learn about psychology and, and work yourself out mm. and know what's good for you and what's bad for you. And, you know, actually, these things can be quite helpful in life as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think it, uh, it's interesting, actually, because I was listening to a podcast yesterday, um, the OCD stories. Um, and I think it's the most recent one. There's a psychiatrist on there. Yeah. He was actually really fascinating because obviously, as we all know, the most common and effective way to deal with OCD is kind of like CBT, ERP. Uh, act therapy but he was kind of coming at it from an approach where he's this yes this is successful but it's you know it's not always for, it's not always a hundred percent and maybe there's some other ways of um, managing it and he was kind of it was it was quite controversial for the OCD community but he was kind of talking about like psychotherapy in which I know can be and I've had it before can, can be triggering um, but he was actually saying that a lot of people that because he's been an OCD specialist for years and years and years and he was saying that a lot of people that presented with OCD to him there was a part of them that didn't want certain parts of their OCD to go and they all said that they all said well I don't want that part of me to go or I don't yeah. do you know what I mean like that, yeah, yeah. that horrible anxiety that horrible thought to go but actually <laughs> this bit's okay so that's interesting yeah, it's right, because it's a coping mechanism, though. It, it really yeah. is. Like, ultimately, it's about, you know, OCD is is our defense. It's a mm. way to to deal with the anxiety, and it gives you uh, a kind of false sense of control. Mm. You know, by, by performing the compulsions, you do get some, some immediate, 
you know, release from the tension and from the anxiety, at least in the short term. So it does give you this this kind of idea that you're controlling somehow, you know, the the feelings. Uh, But obviously what we don't realize is we're giving up that control, you know, every time that we perform a compulsion. So I think maybe he does have a point. I'd like to listen to that that actually and and, uh, find out a bit more about it. Yeah, it was quite interesting, like as as they were saying in the recording, like if you're not interested in the kind of looking at it in a different way or whatever, or like you might find it triggering because obviously it's controversial. But it was just yeah, fascinating to kind of find listen to a different theory in that. But um, mm. but yeah, no, definitely, I do think well, OCD in a way is like well, like you said, it's linked to anxiety. It is really a anxiety. Well, it's currently classified I think under like an anxiety disorder isn't it or something um even though it can feel very like you know Christ I've had it where I felt like I'm having psychosis like do you know what I mean it doesn't it can be so overwhelmingly strong that it makes you feel all kinds of things um yeah and I honestly thought I was having a psychotic break um a few times and so I, I totally get that but yeah there's something in it in, in, in anxiety in general just anxiety taking away OCD like that is a protective mechanism as biological creatures like we needed anxiety when we were cavemen you know we needed <laughs> to be on edge yeah yeah etc etc and it's almost like that well, I read in I don't know if you've read Sapiens by um yeah it's good yeah. isn't it absolutely yeah, yeah. that's great yeah really but yeah <laughs> I remember reading it, actually. I don't know if we spoke about it last time, but I remember reading it about, I don't know, six or seven years ago, and I was just like, it was the one book, it's a book that's just stayed with me, and it's so interesting, because it is a historical, scientific kind of archaeological book, right? But it really helped mm. me with my own mental health, reading that book. It just yeah, made me understand myself, you know, as a yeah. as yeah. a human, and, you know, oh, well, that's that's interesting, because that's why I do that, and that's there's a biological reason yeah crazy (laughs) I think I think that's a yeah I think that's an important point you just made there actually because you were talking earlier about you know how helpful it was for you to find out more about OCD you know to kind of to read up about it to find out what is going on with the anxiety to to understand you know that it's not you're not having a psychotic break because I think many people worry you know that that's happening when they're experiencing OCD because it does create that sense of you know of feeling out of control of mm. uh disassociation you know mm. and it's uh you do really worry am i losing my mind and you know when you read up uh the the literature about you know about what is actually happening what's going on in the brain you know the amygdala kind of yeah you know an overactive amygdala that people with anxiety tend to have the, the you know the uh, fight or flight response like all of this kind of stuff, you know, and I, I think it's uh, it's super helpful. So, yeah, I, I can see why reading Sapiens w- would have been, you know, <laughs> pretty helpful in that in that regard. Um, yeah. Another good book by him as well was um, Almost Deus, which was looking at the next hundred years of, of humans, yeah. um, you know, based on what we've done in the past, having a look at where he thinks we're going in the future. And that was also really interesting. Yeah, no, I read that one actually, and I thought <laughs> I thought that was really interesting too, kind of scary. But it's really, really fascinating. He's a really yeah. intelligent guy. Yeah. 
wasn't it wasn't very hopeful was it to be honest (laughs) no and i'm gonna take a stoic stance on it and accept it (laughs) and also at least i won't be a robot hopefully (laughs) yeah it'll be way in the future (laughs) yeah okay well let's um let, let's kind of find out a little bit more about um you know what what things were really you found most difficult with with the ocd i mean what were your what would you say were your main themes that you found uh the most pressing um that's interesting because i i i love this because a lot of kind of uh doctors and stuff will say oh the themes don't matter and, and of course like it, it in the, at the end of the day, it is it all stems from the same thing, the anxiety and the over the control and everything. But mm. I find the themes, the different themes so fascinating. Um, and I'm also someone that cycles many different themes. <laughs> and I feel like I can, I can, because some people tend to kind of stay on one theme for a very long time. And I, I will get any and every theme. Um, and some obviously stick with me more. And some are more chronic and some are more when they come are more painful in a way and i do i do think it's interesting to even though we should be focusing on you know the compulsions and stopping the compulsions and stuff like this and the erp for everything it is obviously important to to, to talk about the theme because the themes do bring different things with them um but i looking back i actually think and it's really interesting I never thought I did before, but I've actually had quite a contamination um, theme running in the background throughout my whole life. Um, and that's not with, and it's interesting in it, because OCD obviously, as we know, is depicted in the media as being a neat freak. So that's probably why I never made the link, because I'm not, I'm any, you can ask my partner and my mum, and <laughs> I'm not anything but a neat freak. Um, but I am very cautious about substances. So ever since I was about 12, I won't, when I spray deodorant, I hold my breath and I have to walk into another room because I, because I am, I don't want to inhale it because I think I'll die. Right. That's, and I didn't, I've been doing that my whole life since I was 12 because in an assembly at school, they told us a really scary story about someone that was inhaling deodorant, but by inhaling, I mean, they were spraying it up their nose to get high but I correlated that with well if I inhale any deodorant near me I'm gonna die so I've been doing that for my whole life and it's only like the last year or two I was like well that's OCD like that's yeah. <laughs> that's contamination OCD right there yeah. um, so that's been obviously and, and and that obviously will form in different ways like I don't like bleach and stuff getting near me too much and I don't like to take too many you know, medicines, I'm always a bit suspicious of any medicines the doctor gives me. I'll Google things or some, and it's as, and I, you know, lately it's actually turned into food, some foods, and I'm not a fussy eater. I will eat pretty much anything. But I have yeah. noticed I'm like, if I get something in my head, I'll be like, okay, the food is contaminated. But I try and kind of just go through it and eat the food anyway. But, um, and it's caused, and my partner will laugh, is saying this, it caused, it caused me and partner to have a massive row over some salmon over Christmas because I wouldn't eat it. Anyway, because <laughs> I thought it was <laughs> out date, but it wasn't. Anyway. Um, but no, my, I think I've had themes of, <clears throat> one of the main themes throughout my life was um, kind of like a harm OCD. Um, 
uh, worrying about my family and people close to me and having very intrusive thoughts of really horrible things happening to them and not wanting mm-hmm. thoughts. And then, as we spoke about last time, linking it to magical thinking and thinking, well, because I thought the thought, I've made it happen. So now that I thought about my, I don't know, girlfriend at the time being murdered, let's say, so I'm being really like <laughs> explicit here, but let's say that's the thought that came to my head. And I'll do the thing, I blink, I blink, I don't want the thought, get out, get out. But then I think, well, I thought the thought now, so it's going to happen because magical thinking, and I've made it happen. Um, and again, this links to the law of attraction, because I really believed, I don't believe in it anymore, but I really believed in it. So then I couldn't have, and again, trigger warning, if you don't know what it is, don't look it up. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we talked about this last time. I think it's, yeah, it's best to be avoided if you struggle with OCD because, uh, you know, you can read far too much into it. And in reality, you know, it doesn't work like it's it's made out to. And it can cause a whole lot of struggle and suffering for no reason. So, yeah, I, I my, my advice is if you struggle with OCD, you know, just just uh, avoid avoid the uh, law of attraction because it's not it's just going to make you question things and it's unnecessary no yeah it feeds unhealthy behavior that we already have as people with OCD and it just completely puts a magnifying glass on it um but yeah so that that would be a common one for me harm OCD um um yeah thinking I'm a psychopath (laughs) you know the classic ones um yeah one that really got me uh, when I was really ill um, last year and actually I, about two years before that I also got ill from a similar theme was was an existential theme OCD mixed with a kind of religious and spiritual OCD it was all kind of tied together and I just would obsessively google and read philosophy books and in an unhealthy way and I remember talking to my OCD therapist and I was like, but I like, because I'd done a philosophy master's. I was like, well, I like philosophy. Like, <laughs> you know, it's a passion of mine. And she was like, yeah, but when you're researching it, are you calm or are you having this intense turmoil inside you to find the answers? And I was like, the latter. She was like, well, that's OCD. Like, you can enjoy it. You can enjoy philosophy. You can enjoy questions such as what happens after we die or what's the meaning of life or blah 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 but you can like well, not, you know you know what I mean by enjoy it have an intrigue in it, in, in it but it's that intense dread that comes with it that lingers into OCD territory like that's become an OCD thing for me um and that really messed me up and I was questioning questioning the reality around me um everything and that's why I felt like I was having some kind of psychosis because then when I would Google there would be stuff like you know when you're having psychosis you you are not necessarily in reality kind of thing you're you know you're mm. you're detached uh, and you're experiencing yeah. something else and I'd be like well that's what I'm experiencing like <laughs> you know um but now touch what I can kind of look I can kind of, I'm really interested in philosophy, especially which we did discuss, which maybe we can discuss in a bit, especially Stoic philosophy, that doesn't trigger me. Um, But it was all that kind of existential philosophy that was really freaking me out. But my other one, actually, that I have is relationship OCD. I have really bad relationship OCD um, as well. So I guess, yeah, my main themes are, sorry, I've just kind of gone off on a tangent, but contamination, harm, um, relationship OCD, 
existential religious OCD all of them really they cycle themselves but they're the main ones yeah. I pinpoint yeah I think it I think it is important to to mention about themes you know because um although of course you know the treatment is always basically the same which is you know trying to treat the compulsions yeah. you know and, and stop the compulsions because that is obviously the thing that's keeping the cycle of OCD going yeah you know but obviously what what the what the focus of you know the acceptance commitment therapy or whatever treatment you're doing is going to be on you know it will depend on what the theme is and uh you know and it is interesting because obviously many people think okay like I've I've got this particular OCD you know like um how are you going to treat that and it's like, uh, for example, if, if someone's really struggling with sensory motor OCD, mm. uh, that, I think you need to be more focused on kind of mindfulness skills mm. to, to learn how to overcome sensory motor OCD. Whereas if someone's really struggling with contamination, then I think, you know, like more traditional kind of exposure work is still still mindfulness skills are going to help. Yeah. Um, but you know, with sensory motor mindfulness is is absolutely key to to being able to understand how to kind of move your attention your and your your focus from one thing to another um and you know obviously mindfulness is is perfect for for building those kinds of skills so i think it is i think it is important to be able to talk about the themes whilst understanding that ultimately you know it, it it is all the same thing really it is mm -hmm. all ocd it's, it's all you know the the obsessions and then obviously the compulsions that you're performing that's keeping it going yeah so um yeah. so yeah so okay let's let's move on to stoicism because you mentioned it there and you mentioned obviously you know for you it's it's a really helpful thing it's uh you, you have this interest in in philosophy and stoicism is something that doesn't it doesn't hook you um <laughs> you know, I think I think uh, stoicism is amazing. It's basically the bedrock of modern day mm -hmm. um, CBT. Yeah. And uh, so, so how has stoicism been helpful for you? Um, I think kind of a stoic attitude has kind of been what's got me through a lot of hard times without actually knowing that what I was doing was stoicism for when I was younger. Um, but um. Yeah, I, I like you said. I think it's amazing, and 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 again, Buddhism links in. They're very, they're quite similar in lots of ways. But um, yeah, Stoicism for me is very much accepting life on life's terms, um, mm. and being okay with that. You know, like so, kind of understanding that things will happen that you won't like um you know someone in your family will get ill you might lose your job um you will eventually die i know it's me um i know it's a bit morbid but and it, but it, rather than having an intense anxiety about this trying to prevent it it's an acceptance of realizing that it is completely out of your control that is the natural cycle of life and the only thing you have control over is how you how you respond really like obviously sometimes our anxiety will get the better of us and our thoughts will run away with us but at the end of the day we do have control over how we, we respond to things how we how we think you know what we or if we have the intrusive thoughts like we can we can choose not to give in as hard as it is 
and that's kind of what for me what stoicism is about and it's also not expecting like from away from an OCD point of view it's not expecting too much from others in a sense like but also not too little so like it's kind of for me and I think well for me it's kind of like accepting that humans are humans like we ourselves are humans and we are fallible like we're gonna have um we're not gonna be perfect which again links well, does link to OCD because OCD wants perfection I am perfectionist in lots of ways but it's this kind of attitude and and I feel like not getting trying not to get too overwhelmed by things outside of your control basically um and that's how when I did believe in the law of attraction again linking it back which I don't anymore um that's kind of how I saw that's how I justified it to make it calmer for me in my head was which I do mm. think is true it, it was okay things might happen whatever they are you can't control that but you can control how you respond you can control what you do with this information in a sense do you know what I mean um yeah I love that yeah I, I really love that I think that's you know an essential skill when it comes to overcoming anxiety and OCD is that that understanding of what you just said there you cannot control you know your thoughts and feelings we just don't have any control we have zero control over yeah. that stuff yeah you know if, if things are going to come up they're going to come up and yeah. uh, you know but what we can control is where we put our attention where we put our focus and and the attitude that we're going to have when those things come up and you know when you make that realization and then you start applying that you know to your life and your OCD whenever whenever you do experience difficult emotions you know trying your best to just allow them to be there in the background and mm. you know and trying to refocus your attention onto the present and and things that you value in your life you know like that that for me is probably you know it's the kind of cornerstone skill that when you really start applying that things really really do start to change yeah no definitely and I think li linking it to like OCD themes in particular like you know like the classic kind of let's say like a sexual intrusive thought or a violent intrusive thought seems to really plague people because people are inherently good and they do not want these thoughts because they disturb them um but it's kind of that idea of okay I've had the thought and let's say the thought's telling me I'm a murderer because <laughs> I've had these thoughts so you're a murderer how do you know you're not a murderer well you must be a murderer because you thought okay right well let's google like how, how do you know you're a psychopath like but and it's just go down a rabbit hole and I feel like a, a way of accepting that it's almost counterproductive counter it, it seems counterintuitive but it's not to kind of be like and it is it is a ERP isn't it scripting to be like okay well maybe I am um <laughs> maybe I am a bit psychopathic okay maybe I am what if I am well okay I am well it doesn't mean I have to do anything about it it doesn't mean I have to act on it you know this kind of obviously I've just given a random example there but I found especially talking to people that have OCD as well and they'll tell me a fault and I'm like okay well what if it's true then what happens okay well then what happens okay is it that bad do you know what I mean like that kind of way of being like almost agreeing with the fault because you know, do you yeah. know what I mean? You know it's not true, but there is that part of you that panics, obviously. But then I think if you take the power away from it, well, is it really that bad? 
if um, I'm a psychopath, you know, lots of psychopaths have very successful lives and <laughs> CEOs or whatever, right? Like, um, kind of just taking the power away from it. And then you kind of, the more you take the power away from it and you diminish it, the less it antagonizes you. OCD wants to tell you that you're the worst person ever. That's another thing about OCD. It wants to make you, one, it wants to protect you with contamination OCD. You don't want to die, fear of dying. But two, it also, it wants to tell you you're a bad person at times, right? And the shame and the guilt that can come with OCD. So I just thought that was really interesting to put it in a, um, when I read that, I was like, that's really fascinating to just put it in a kind of historical period, OCD, and how it can affect you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it plays on what's important to you, like your morals as well. It can, you know, you can be, a lot of people with OCD are, are the most compassionate, kind, moral people. And I think that's why it gets to them when they have these faults. Other people absolutely i mean that's 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 definitely true you know it's uh <laughs> it's it's kind of cruel in a way you know because like they I, I think just about everyone has ocd it is a really good person because the last thing in the world they would want is to hurt somebody yeah. you know and and that's why the thoughts are so disturbing to them it's like if they were you know a psychopath or something then these thoughts wouldn't bother bother them at all yeah because Know, they a psychopath doesn't have any empathy and so you know so i mean like you can say that to people who struggle with ocd but then all you're doing is giving them reassurance one of the worst things you can do so it's uh it's tricky but yeah what you're saying is is true yeah it's interesting because it's and in fact my <laughs> my partner really likes listening to true crime and I've never, <laughs> I've never been interested in it because it triggers me. Um, and it just, I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to hear about murderers. Freaks me out. I don't like it. Um, and one of my exposures was to listen to true crime with her. And I've actually become, you know, I have actually really gotten over that part of my OCD, the psychopath. I've said psychopath like you then. I mixed you there. But the, like, psychopath um, uh, kind of harm OCD. I've really, really that's you know I'm really kind of over it I mean it might come back but it doesn't the thought of it now anyway and she was saying that she was like listen to this uh doctor talk about what makes a psychopath and I listened to it and she was like literally a psychopath is almost the exact opposite of someone with anxiety on like the scale whatever because they they the the thing that's massive what is it the amygdala or all these things in yeah. our brain that are really on um, yeah. high alert kind of are the opposite yeah, yeah. of a complete opposite of a psychopath and i know i'm doing reassurance behavior now but i did think that was really interesting but then again obviously if your ocd is driving wild you might be like well, what if my brain is tricking me do you know what i mean you can just go it's never ending the thoughts are never ending you can yeah, get over yeah. one theme and something will pop up be like christ's sake I had a yeah. rest and now I'm back with some other fault. Well, that's, I mean, that that's interesting as well, because that links into what we were chatting about earlier with themes. And, and, and that's why I think some people say, well, you know, it's not about the themes. It's about the underlying OCD. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, that argument is pinned up by what you just said there. And, you know, which is quite interesting that when you do finally get, get to the bottom of one, of one particular theme, it's amazing how quickly a new one can just pop up from nowhere and yeah. take its place. And literally suddenly that new theme seems like the most urgent thing in the world. Like you have to resolve it. 
and yeah. it's giving you so much anxiety. And whereas a few minutes before, it didn't even exist. Yeah. And uh, you know that really sums up how infuriating it can be. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. And so it really does sound like you know you've you've really got to a place um, you know these days. Even actually since the you know the last time we spoke, you know it sounds like you're you're feeling much more confident and uh, and and happy and able to deal with this in a in a much better way. Is is that the case? Yeah, I definitely do feel like that. Um, I feel like I'm kind of even today was a mini like exposure for me because I yeah. I felt a bit tired and hungover and I normally would ruminate on this if I had to do something important like a podcast or whatever it may be and think well I'm gonna mess it up because I feel like this and I was like do you know what just get over it like no one's gonna know and if they were they know now that I feel a bit tired well, you just told them yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly. but like, do you know what I mean and I was like so that was I think sometimes yeah. like don't get me wrong I'm not perfect I've not had loads and loads of therapy you know I've had bits of therapy that have been really useful and I've researched a lot and my uh, friends and family are aware and I actually have like friends and family with OCD as well which helps so I think we're all aware of each other and I think um, I have you know perhaps with the help of many different things Buddhism, Stoicism, trying to maintain a relatively healthy lifestyle without being too perfectionist about it Mm. um, (laughs) is helping and an acceptance and an acceptance it is that I think the best thing for me really has just been an acceptance like like I was saying that stoic acceptance of life on life's terms nothing as well like it doesn't things don't have to be inherently evil or inherently good you're just human you're trying your best kind of attitude you know like yeah um that's what's really helped me um yeah 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 and and if you if you could give you know kind of one like great piece of, of advice you know from your experience and uh of dealing with ocd what would that piece of advice be oh one great piece of advice <sighs> <laughs> it would probably it would almost like i was saying to be to agree with the fault Mm, yeah in a sense you know to be like okay well what's the worst that's going to happen now that this this is true if it's even though it's not you know so um relationship OCD for example and what if we're not compatible what if um what if we're not in love okay well does it matter like is it the end of the world really or can do you know what I mean? That kind of attitude I found really helpful yeah. right? rather than the compulsion searching endlessly, like let's talk about relationship, obviously, asking all your friends, da, 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 do we seem right together? Googling, is it is it okay that me and my partner do this? Do you know what I mean? Like rather than doing that, just being like it is what it is. Like life isn't perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like um and applying that attitude to OCD faults. Also, I mean, I think having fun hobbies, like, you know, in general, exercising has always been an amazing outlet for me. Um, eating healthy, but like I said, still allowing myself to have, you know, junk food when I want and stuff like that. And not being too rigid, because that can be enough for me 
that's I know not everyone with OCD has it but for me I do have a kind of like just right perfectionist OCD which can can leak mm. into eating and yeah. uh, exercise <laughs> you know it's yeah. kind of connected yeah. um so yeah just you know like yoga I do weightlifting and well, I don't at the minute because it's locked down here um but all these kind of things um throwing yourself into things you know like so if you've got social anxiety, just do it. Like, just go into the party and just, <laughs> you know, you've got to stand up and do a presentation. Just do it. You've got to do a podcast, but you feel a bit hungover. We'll just do it. Like, <laughs> that kind yeah. of forcing yourself, in a way, yeah. faking it till you make it, in a way. I know it's a, perhaps some people might say, an outdated version. And then it doesn't always work. Sometimes you literally have to lay in bed and you can't eat for a month, i.e. me. But, like... <laughs> you know like trying your best yeah no I think you've made some really good points there because I think um OCD definitely does push you towards you know trying to do things in a in in the perfect way Mm. and this perfectionist attitude can sometimes really it can really hold you back you know I I think uh, you know sometimes for example like people want to start doing exercise because they know that that's going to help them you know exercise has been shown to be you know in some studies has been shown to be as as helpful as you know some pharmaceutical drugs and so um, you know exercise can be really really important but for some people that the OCD latches onto that Mm. and you know they feel like ah I've only managed to do like, you know, like exercise once this week and, and I plan to do it three or four times. I'm just going to give up on it because I'm just not doing it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and actually, you know, instead of kind of celebrating the fact that they did do it once, you know, that week and perhaps the next week they can try and do it twice. Mm-hmm. You know, people people might then just stop doing it altogether. And yeah. this, this kind of thing happens a lot, I think, with with uh, with OCD. And also I liked what you were saying there about not being too rigid you know like okay try to have a healthy lifestyle and that is important these lifestyle factors Mm. are important because you know if you're looking after yourself if you're being healthy then obviously you're gonna you know you're gonna feel better you're gonna feel good you have more energy and you're gonna you know it's less likely you're gonna get stuck you know ruminating and go down the, the OCD rabbit hole but yeah at the same time if you're just you know drinking grapefruit juice the whole time and like uh <laughs> you know not not allowing yourself uh you know some indulgences every now yeah. and then then like life can get a bit dull you know oh, so God, yeah. yeah yeah well i got so, to the yeah. point once where because i found when you're just saying that actually it's interesting because i find certain behaviors when you're in an okay mindset you can easily fall into certain behaviours that can completely re-trigger, re-spark the OCD cycle. And, and that happened with me when I was very, very, very into fitness and I started counting my macros. And I'd never had yeah. any issues with food before. And that just sent me into a whole new spiral of, I, I guess, a type of eating disorder. It wasn't anorexia or bulimia, but it was like a health. It was like an obsession with counting to the point where I was weighing broccoli. And I remember as I was wow. weighing broccoli, I was like, this is not normal. <laughs> like, this is, yeah. I shouldn't yeah. be weighing bro- a vegetable. That's you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> and I was like, right, okay. Like, I need to, and that was so hard to get out of that cycle. Like, that was insane. And that, and I do think it was all linked, you know, because I'd be like counting my calories to the point where if I'd be 10 calories over, it was the end of the world. 
and do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I have to, I had to compensate for it the next day by like yeah. doing extra exercise or or eating ten calories less, like, and that's too much. And that and so I'm very kind of aware of not being rigid with food and stuff. And you're right about the exercise thing, like it's the constant for me. It's quite um which again it can like that's the thing it can in some ways lend itself well but it's the it's the constant not feeling like you've done enough or not feeling like you know yeah. I said I was going to do yoga four times this week and I've only done it like two times and ah and then it, and then it's for me I'm overdoing it then and I'm doing it all or giving up like you said so it's that yeah, yeah it's really interesting actually yeah yeah, yeah. great well Sean, thank you so much for your time. It's been uh, it's been great, uh, great talking to you and having you on the podcast. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was really good. Please remember, if you are struggling with OCD and anxiety, you can get a free consultation uh, with me. All you need to do to get that is to head over to my website www.robertjamescoaching.com and uh, send me a message, and we we can sort that out. And if you like, you can also follow me on Instagram. Uh, at Robert James Coaching UK. Many thanks. And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer. Any information that you view on my website, Instagram page, Facebook group, or anywhere else online, or any information that you listen to on the podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor psychologist or any other medical or mental health professional.